right. One, two, three. What? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, clap. Jesus. Fuckity what a morning. fuck fuck. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> Why are you mad? Oh, because... Well, my fucking microphone was like bitching out on me again, and it's oh, it's just been a rough day. Like my fiance had to put her dog down yesterday. Oh, uh, it's September eleventh. Jesus, my you're mic right. isn't working. Uh, what the fuck? I dislocated my thumb. What? Yeah. What? How? Um, I don't want to tell the story because it's super stupid. <laughs> You have to tell it. I just jammed it into a car. It wasn't even my car. <laughs> I just turned around and the door was open and pop. The uh, the thumb was standing out from my hand like a ninety degree angle, and I had to oh god pop it back in. It was, it was nasty. You had to pop it back in like right there in the parking lot. Yeah, just fuck it. We're gonna do this. Oh my god. True so, Eagle Scout, right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shitty... You're in a... Sh you've got to be in, like, a shitty mood I'm right in now. a shitty mood, man. I'm in a mm. shitty mood. Fucking Nazis and terrorists what? out there and... Uh, yeah. It's a, rough, it's a rough life. How about you? I'm doing fine. How was <laughs> it down in Texas? Uh, it was 72 when I went outside yesterday oh, morning. gorgeous. And I was cold. That's 72 Fahrenheit, you European snob asses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were cold. Um, yeah, I was I actually felt cold. I wore long sleeves. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I am full Texan now. Hmm. Um, so, shall we start the fake episode? Yes. Good day to you, and welcome to Primary Sources, a lazy sideshow created by the good fellows down at We Talk About Dead People to tide you over until the next full episode. In this very educated and intellectual show, we read old books aloud and comment on them, as educated people do. So, settle in, pour yourself a nice glass of brandy, place the white cat on your lap or in the oven, and take a nice long pull on that massive cigar. There we go. Right as rain. Good day to you, James. Oh, uh, good day! <laughs> How do thou? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> good. Off to a great start. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. I've been in the recording mood for the, like the last seven days uh and today then it just hit me like a ton of bricks um mm. which is good that's usually the best time for me to uh for to to record when i don't even think about what i'm saying you know yeah yeah but um <laughs> isn't that like all the time i mean i mean really <laughs> no that's true that's true that okay 100 that, that wasn't even a dig i was just saying that's your character oh, no i know yeah that was <laughs> that was a friend giving a friend uh, a description of himself yeah so, I have a question. Oh, <clears> sure. <throat> Were you able to find any primary sources? Uh, I was, actually. Oh, good. What about you? 
I found some good shit. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, decent shit. Not great shit. Good shit. Okay. But first, we have a uh, we have a request from one of our most beloved patrons. Oh shit. Um, Kato of Norway has requested that we talk about historical video games. Oh. <laughs> okay. And I think that's great cause for you to talk about Total War Rome 2. Ah. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't prepare for this question. <laughs> Well, how about this? Okay, yeah. mm -hmm. I'll start okay. with another game that I've been playing mm. that's historical or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can think about Total War Rome 2 yeah. while I do that. Okay. How's that sound? Fair enough. Yes? Okay. So, there's this game mm -hmm. that I picked up a few months ago called Kingdom Come Deliverance. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember this Yeah. One. And here's the deal. So I got into this game really fast, and I was really excited about it because it's set during the Reformation uh, in fucking... Where is it, like James? Bohemia you remember. or something? Bohemia, that's right. It's in Bohemia. And you play as this peasant boy and his family's killed by the... What, Hungarian invaders or whatever something the like fuck? That. I don't remember. I've forgotten everything because right. I haven't played the game in forever. <laughs> Do you know why I haven't played the game in forever even though I loved the first couple of hours? Uh-oh, Why? Because it's fucking broken. <laughs> I love everything oh. about this game except the fact that it doesn't work. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, so the historical shit's pretty cool. Walking around the towns feel, feels authentic. And, um, you know, the, the story is really, really well done. The characters are good. You know, I got really into the story, which is why I'm so mad at it. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, for Christ's sake. So here's the deal. All right. So the combat system is really intricate. Yeah. Um, and it, you can learn it, and uh, everyone in the Steam review says that it's, like, one of the best combat systems they've ever played and all that shit. Sure. And they're kind of right, because the first fight you get into is, like, in a sparring situation or something like that. Mm hmm I remember watching you do this for, like, three hours. Yeah, so it's, like, a really complicated combat system mm -hmm. uh, where you have to, like, learn to parry and dodge and, you know do specific moves and shit like that. And the thing is, you can learn it really well mm -hmm. in the sparring ring. Uh -huh. And then you go out to fight an actual enemy. And guess what? Hmm. The combat system no longer fucking works. Not the way it did in sparring or whatever. Uh, that sounds kind of realistic. I don't know. <laughs> well, but it's a video game. It's supposed to teach you how to play it, uh, right? Guess, yeah, yeah. But I guess that's not realistic. Yeah. So my there main ain't problem no handlebars in real war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And maybe that's and then this part of the reason why, like, I felt afraid to like say something to the developers and be like, hey, like, my combat system doesn't work the same in training as it does in real life, because they'd probably be like, you fucking noob. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's what... see with his training wheels? <laughs> yeah. But, like, um... So I, I, like, trained like crazy in that game, and my sword skill was going up, and I was getting getting good mm -hmm. and everything, and I'm not... I'm no stranger to hard games. I've beaten all the Dark Souls games, mm. except for Dark Souls 3, which... I just fucking gave up on that one because I was busy with other shit and also a coward. Um, but with this one, it's like I learned the system. I'm like, all right, I got this. And then I go and fight a peasant boy, you know, carrying a fucking spoon and I'm getting my ass handed to me. <laughs> yeah. And like I got I finally got to the first boss in the game. Mm -hmm. 
the guy is unbeatable. Like, oh God. not at least not in my the way it was working with me. Like, you can't block any of his shit, even if you're on top of it. Like, he uses. I mean, and everyone says, "Oh, he's the easiest boss." Yes, he is because he's the first boss. But like, my complaint is not that the system is unrealistic; it's that it's fucking impossible to use properly. Right. Well, yeah, so I'm shit. still mad at that game. I can tell. And so I was like, all right, maybe like later on down their line, they'll fix the combat or whatever. And it's been like six months mm. since I bought the game. And, uh, well, probably not probably not that long. A little little shorter than that. Close to that. Yeah. And um, I, they've just made it harder. <laughs> and they're like posting their updates on Steam like, dude, like, look, our combat system is now harder than it was before. And I'm just like... <laughs> I would like to fall in love with the girl and beat the bad guy. You know, I would yeah. like to play this story through, but no, I'm stuck, like, fighting like a, you know, a, like, fucking highwayman in full armor and losing every fucking time. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, it just I mean, sounds kind of realistic. <laughs> I well, don't know. I mean, like but that's the pro. Uh, that's yeah. a real good question. I that's a real you. good question. Oh, yeah, there we go. Because I really enjoy realistic shit in games. Yeah. I've always enjoyed realistic shit in sure. games. And I've always enjoyed simulations and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I have always liked, you know, feeling like a place is authentic. Like, that's one of the main things I noticed about the game uh. Uh, first off, was, like, the authenticity of the cities. And it just, it really, here's the deal. You walk into a city and it's not like The Witcher where you walk in and it's like, oh man, what a fucking awesome city. You walk in and you're like, this place is a shithole. <laughs> yeah. like you go to a horse trough and wash the bullshit off of your face. Yeah. And like, <laughs> if you don't, you can't buy ale at the tavern and shit like that. Beautiful. But like, I walked in, I'm like, this place feels like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Right. And that was kind of cool. Yeah, got shit it felt... all over him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it felt authentic. Mm. Um, well, there but you go. yeah, so like, I mean, so I've been looking. Go ahead. Well, like, so yeah. I, where do you draw the line between authenticity and fun? Because it's a game. Well, yes. I mean, it depends on where your loyalties lie. I think. Uh, I mean, it seems like the developers were really interested in making you feel like a pathetic peasant boy, you know, who's coming from nothing, and that's fine. I get that. Sure, we all have our um, fetishes. Right, <laughs> but it's like The Witcher Three. Okay, it had the you know the. I want to play for the story mode, and it had the death march mode. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and it's like I played somewhere in between because I like some difficulty, but I ended up dropping the difficulty a little bit because I was playing the game for the story. Mm -hmm. Like, my priority as a player shifted once I realized the story was going to be really fucking good. I was like, all right, I'm not going to, you know, fuck around and waste any time having to die and load again. And, yeah. You know, maybe later on when, I, when I've you know, digested the story and feel like playing again, I'll play on Death March just to get the full gameplay experience and everything. But, like, Kingdom Come has no option at all. Like, I mean, I had to download a mod just to beat the first boss. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, uh, and it's, that's a problem. Yeah, and here's the deal. It's not like you go into the boss room and it saves. Mm-hmm. You have to fight, like, three separate oh, battles God. before you get to the boss room. Yeah. And then the boss fight starts, and I'm not... This is not an exaggeration. It takes him about a split second to kill you, because it fades in, and he's already charging across the room. Oh, dear. And your sword's not even drawn. <laughs> and sidestepping him is basically impossible, because, I mean, in real life, you wouldn't be able to sidestep a guy with a broadsword. Right. I mean, I mean, if he was charging you just as you entered the room. So, I don't know, I don't know. But, 
Anyway, so like if there was a if there was an easier difficulty on the game, I think I would recommend it as one of the best historical games out there mm. that I've found because yeah. everything feels authentic. I mean, it it really does and um it's just the combat is forced on you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's too fucking hard. Oh. Shit. So have you thought about uh, Rome Total War 2 anything you want to say about that game? Uh yeah, maybe uh well, the Total War games. I'm a huge fan of the Total War games, and if you do, if you not, if you can't talk like me, or if you do not know what they are, it's a collection of historical strategy games that combine turn-based with real-time strategy, and they're fucking awesome. I have spent more life playing those games than life not playing those games, and then Rome Two was released, which was the sequel to. Rome 1, which was a beautiful game. And all I'll say is this. I mean, they've updated it a ton of a million patches, and it's gotten somewhat better. But it should be called Rome 2 Microscopic Warfare. Because here's <laughs> the thing. When you have your units charging at the enemy units, that's this is the beauty of the Total War game. To, to see thousands of soldiers charging into thousands of soldiers and seeing all these animated men die at the click of your mouse... <laughs> then when they when they when the ranks clash into the other ranks they all just kind of absorb each other like some amoebas in the paleotonic era uh, <laughs> and the bigger stronger unit will just absorb the weaker unit and they I know they they patched this and fixed it somewhat but that was like mm -hmm. a year after the game's release and just pisses me off that's all I want to say uh there's some YouTube guy that has an entire breakdown of Rome 2, and he spends like two hours doing it, and now I'm going to have to look him up. I've seen it, though. You showed I it to showed me. I showed it to you because I was, I was like, so mad, and you don't even play Total War. <laughs> no, and I was mad by the end of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, these are fucking amateur mistakes. Oh, what God. the hell? Um, oh, I got something funny to tell you. Okay. I was watching a documentary by this YouTube channel. I think it's called... It's spelled... Gamer, but A is replaced with a V for some reason. Hmm. So it might be like Gamer 5 or something. But he makes documentaries about video game franchises. Okay. Um, and one of the ones he did, which I watched this morning, was about the rise and fall of the Medal of Honor series. Oh, shit. And it is fucking hilarious. Because, hmm. okay, so Medal of Honor came out like it was directly related to Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, oh, we're making a World War II game at the same time as Saving Private Ryan. Like, no, Steven Spielberg was involved in the first Medal of Honor. Mm. Um, wow. Because his intention was to educate the next generation about the realities of World War II. Sure. In a form that they understand. Right. Um, which is kind of funny because the first version of the game is like exploitative as hell. And it's, you know, it looks like Doom, but with Nazis or something like oh, that. Oh, shit. Know, it's okay. Hyper-violent and like shit like that. Wolfenstein almost. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, but he adjusted, the, they, the development team adjusted it to be more historically accurate, to follow all this shit. I mean, and you go and watch the game, it's like, this is historically accurate, really. But, you know, the intention was there to make it honest. Like, they had actual, they had an actual, the same guy who authenticated, like, the scenes in Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. And was, like, the, the main historical expert or whatever. Right. Like, he came in and worked on the game as well, even though shit. at first he was completely opposed to it. Mm. Um, but when he saw what they were trying to do, he was like, oh, shit, you're really trying. So he came in and helped. Yeah. And 
there was actually a Medal of Honor recipient, I don't remember who he was, who was like, this is the most bullshit thing you could ever do. Oh, like, God. exploit the Medal of Honor and the men who died in World War II, like, yeah. to make a fucking video game. I, I always felt kind of sleazy about their title. Uh. Yeah, well, I understand the motive, but here's yeah. the thing. When the guy, this Medal of Honor recipient, met the team and played the game, he went from, like, not only opposing it to, like, actually advocating for the release of the game. Mm. Because he saw that the intention was there to be as true to life as possible while also making a game that was at least playable. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, interesting. Because, because like, the frustration I have with modern uh, historical games is that they, like, make shit up most of the time. Ah, uh. Are you talking you about know the what new I'm... Call of Duty game, sir? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not actually talking about Call of Duty. Oh. No. And I'm, I'm not actually talking about um, fucking Battlefield 5 or whatever it is. Yeah, like, everyone's up in arms about that one. But mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm actually still pissed off about Battlefield 1 because I only recently actually played it. Hmm. Um, and my problem is not the stories that they chose to go with in the single-player campaign or whatever. Yeah. It's the fact that they made them up. Oh, well, that's... Because, shitty. like, there are so many amazing, real, true stories from World War One that could be turned into levels for a video game that they just fucking ignored. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think at least a couple of them are based loosely on reality, but in, re in all reality, they're fucking not. Um, I played through one... I couldn't believe it! I was playing through one mission, I was like, alright, okay, this looks like World War One. alright, they're doing the World War One setting, okay, the guns are a little off, but I get it, that's for balance, you know, okay, missions don't... that didn't... couldn't have possibly happened or happening. Um, but then the Germans were fucking invading London. Ah! No, that yeah, didn't happen. No, no, like... wait, what? No. <laughs> No, shut the fuck up. I looked it up. Oh, okay. No, like there's this whole there's this whole thing. Yeah. Where there's like this fleet, uh, I mean thousands of German planes and zeppelins in, like oh, over dear. London. And you're like shooting them down as like a, you know, a P, or like a captured or a person convicted of a of committing some crime while fighting. I, I don't remember. Exactly. Oh, okay. So an American soldier. Yeah. So I I realized <laughs> yeah, actually an American. Yeah. Uh, you, of course, play as the American, uh, you know, the bad boy, mm -hmm. the Han Solo American pilot who helps out the, you know, the Irishman or whatever. Yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> so, it's so bad. Right. Um, and, you know, here's, and when I see debates about this shit online, people are like, well, it's obviously, a, you know, a fantasy setting for World War One, And I'm like, all right, fine. I get that. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um. You can do that. Like, if you want to have fully armored flame troopers, you know, stepping down hallways, blasting your guys, like, fine. Like, okay. But sell it that way. Yeah. You know, at least tell us it's a it's a fantasy version of World War One, And I'd be like, I'm all there. Yeah, of course. Because, like, that sounds amazing. Like Wolfenstein. Kinda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, instead it comes across as, like, this... this like half bullshit thing like at the the first level it's like this war costs so many millions of lives mm -hmm. and you're like oh okay and then it's not that war at all it's a made-up bullshit war oh, um you know so yeah i didn't play the full game but i did play three levels out of it and a couple of them were okay i did the invasion of london thing was absolutely like 
Yeah, that's a bit too far. I was like, here's the deal. Here's the difference. Okay, so like Call of Duty Medal of or Call of Duty Medal of Honor, Jesus God. <laughs> Medal of Honor one. They've uh, got real people authenticating the story, the history, the best they can do for the time. Um, the idea is to like you know, it's a video game, sure, but it's supposed to at least give people and kids especially a sense of like what it was actually like. Sure, right? Yeah. Good. Now put that same kid in front of Battlefield One. Mm. Mm-hmm. And show him the German army invading London. Yeah. With massive fucking Zeppelins. Right. And they're gonna be like, oh shit. Because, like, then believe it. Because, yeah. you know, when I played Call of Duty World War II, or Call of Duty 2, which was set in World War II, Jesus, I'm off today. That's fine, me too. Um, that was the first time. I mean, it's gonna sound really stupid because I was stupid. I was like 13. Sure. It was the first time I realized the Russians were even involved in the war. Oh, oh. Because they, they showed. The, <laughs> I know, I know. They weren't, I though. America did it all. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, that was my perception. Right. Was that America did it all and that there was some other shit involved. But, like, there was D-Day and that was a whole war. Yep. Um, and then when I realized that, wait, where, where the fuck is Stalingrad? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. who are these guys in trench coats? And what's the Winter War? Like, I didn't know any of that shit. And no, it wasn't historically accurate to a T, but it was the first introduction I had to, like, what was actually going on. Yeah. Yeah. And what actually happened. And, you know, from there I went and read about it. I'm like, okay, so this is this story is mostly horse shit, but the the mon- like the the cornerstones are all there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like you know, I still have respect for, for Call of Duty too, because it at least hit the marks. Right. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't know about Pond was it Ponduhawk? Ponduhawk, yeah. Ponduhawk? Yeah. Whatever. I didn't know about uh fucking the Rangers who scaled those cliffs until I played the game. Right. And you know, then I go and read about the story, and I'm like, oh shit, like, this actually happened more or less like this, and was probably ten times as horrific. Oh, or um, ten times less, actually. Maybe. Well, yeah. I, who knows? I actually know. <laughs> oh, I'm you do? So it was, like, made up. Who corrects you about this? Do it! Okay, well, Pontu Hawk, not many Americans died in the assault itself. They, uh, most of them died in the counterattacks by the Germans, but... Oh yeah, Call of Duty I remember 2 that level. Makes it look like <laughs> Omaha Beach on steroids. <laughs> like they're, yeah, they're actually, I forgot about just, that part of it because they do do the counterattack shit. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but you see yeah. like a, a thousand guys die before the count. Not a thousand. That's yeah, hyperbole. But you know, it's not as big as. Sure, but they still scaled the oh, cliffs absolutely. in the face no, no, of some no. resistance. Yeah, I was just being a total asshat, like normal. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. You know history better than I do. But like, that's okay, so you, you get you get my point though. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go and g- so I went and googled German invasion of London, World War One. Yeah, they sent like a zeppelin, <laughs> dropped a couple bombs, and then it was like shot down or something. I can't remember well, that's exactly. Big pharmacy talking. Well. <laughs> But, okay, so, like, historical accuracy in video games. Yeah. Like, okay, let's talk Assassin's Creed, Oh, for God, I was I was waiting for this to come up. I'm, yes. <laughs> Please right, go so, on. <laughs> there's there's not much to say, really. Okay, they take historical settings, and they kind of turn them into little fantasy settings. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yes. Okay? that's That, to me, is fine. Yes. Um, they're playing with the story a little bit, and they let you know that this is us fucking with the story. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's okay. Okay. Now, I think the stories are still shit for the most right. part. Not all of them, but for the most part. Mm-hmm. I don't get the hate for Origins story. I thought it was the closest thing to a decently written fucking story Assassin's Creed has had since Assassin's Creed uh, Brotherhood. Oh, boy. Here come the but, trolls. Like, I see them. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. But, hey, oh you know what? Like, 
we can differ on these things without hating each other. Um, but yeah, so uh, I actually wrote down a couple of... So, like, I think the mo- the best game that I've played mm-hmm. in a historical setting recently, though, has been Day of Infamy. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I haven't played it since I came to Texas. Um, I don't think. Hmm. But um, that's just a that's just an awesome little game where, you, you know, it's World War II setting. There's no story. You're just fighting in these battles. And Yeah, that feels pretty, pretty real. Well, it doesn't. Even if it doesn't feel real, it at least feels like it's not abusing the material. Right. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 slightly authentic, mm-hmm. just enough to justify it being, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I think that's probably enough about historical video well, games. Unless you had something else to add. Yeah, kind of like the World War One version of Dave Infamy. Have you played Verdun? I have played Verdun. What did you Actually, think? I played the alpha version of Verdun in college. Oh, okay. I've heard it's it. gotten a lot of, gotten a lot prettier since then. They've put the band-aids on. Good. Yeah. Good for them. I don't know. I love it when people stick with their games and listen to feedback from their customers. Yeah. Well, I think only like yeah. three guys developed it, so pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember finding Verdun just because I was like, has anyone ever tried the World War One setting? Right. Yeah. And then I found out those guys did. I'm like, these are really the only people? <laughs> And they're not, but, you know, everyone else is like... I mean, I remember the arguments when people were really really getting tired of World War II games. Ah, uh, yeah. Back before they went to the Modern Warfare bullshit. Yeah. Um, and everyone was like, hey, let's do one in World War One," And the response was always, what do you what do you want to do, sit in a trench and rot for six months? <laughs> it's like, okay, you realize that there were there was more to World War One than just trench warfare, right? right. I mean, because that was a big part of it, sure. But you could make a decent game out of, like, the campaigns and battles and shit in World War One if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Talk about lack of imagination. Yeah. What I really want to see is a French and Indian war uh, game <laughs> where... <laughs> You know, it takes 16 minutes to reload your gun, you're freezing in the snow, and then you get scalped. And <laughs> that would be a full gamer experience for me. I would really, really enjoy that. Yeah. 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 I-, I could get behind that. Um, <laughs> not really. Good. That would be... That would be bad. <laughs> hey, so we're about 30 minutes into this bullshit, yeah. and I only have until... Well, I got plenty of time. Okay. I'm good. Shall we move into a primary source? Yes, and I, I will say, you might be able to hear some snoring in the background. Uh, that's my dog. So, not my stomach. Which one I is I know it? what you're thinking. <laughs> I didn't eat my dog. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Later. Later. When you need a little snack. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, do you want to start or should I? Why don't you go ahead? Because I'm going to be honest with you. This episode, uh, I did the least prep for, for any episode we've ever created. That's fine. Okay. So you're going to have fine. to carry me through, like um, like I'm little baby Moses. Well, little baby Moses, as long as you keep the jokes coming, I'm going to be good. Perfect. And stay engaged and just, like, just pick this shit apart, because I want to know what you think. Oh, I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. So the first question I have for you is, what's your opinion on Mossad? Great. <laughs> No, really, what's your opinion on Mossad? Um, <laughs> excellent. Uh, I can't, I won't say anything bad about them. Um, you can't, because they will probably hunt you down. They will, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> great job, guys. Keep up the good work. And, uh... You know, they, yeah. I uh, love it, uh, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> there's no way to win that question. How can you ask me that question? I just wanted to ask because I wanted to tell you that Mossad once assassinated a guy with an exploding telephone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So he was he was one of the planners of the uh, the Munich Olympic takeover. Oh shit! Oh yeah. So they okay, hunted well. him down and killed him with an exploding cell phone. Okay. Well, that does sound like justice. Okay, so I want to move into my primary sources, all right? Okay. <laughs> I have a couple, all right? And uh, it depends on what you want to start with. Do you want to start with serious shit or weird shit? Uh, let's go with serious. Serious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this week, and actually in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. I've been studying propaganda. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, okay. And psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. And all that shit. <clears throat> and I've found some interesting fucking shit because like i (sighs) there are three categories of propaganda okay Mm -hmm. you've got white propaganda black Mm. propaganda and gray propaganda Mm. just like the force all right right so i'll just go through these one at a time all right white propaganda uh is basically just like it's 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 propaganda that doesn't disguise where it's from okay so it's like, obviously, you know, communists wrote this. Obviously, it's communist literature. Like, chill out if you want to read this. You know, read this if you're a communist. Right. right? Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody saw it, they'd be like, oh, that's propaganda. Everybody knows it's propaganda. No big deal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like encouragement for people who already believe it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 reinforcement. Yeah. Right? And then there's, uh, then there's gray propaganda, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Um, it's uh it's like it's when you it's largely truthful right so it contains true statistics sure or says things that you know on at least on the ground level yeah are, makes could sense. Be proven to be true right they don't tell you the source though hmm. all right so oh. like you don't know where it came from yeah and usually it just appears places right, it, right? yeah and then you look into it and it's dr wallaby who got his honorary doctorate from some bullshit uh chiropractor school well not exactly oh okay um not not exactly the gray propaganda doesn't contain information that can be proven wrong oh it's just selective statistics i see stand, right? I stand so, corrected. Okay. right right so it's like uh if i showed you a chart of like uh fuck how do i get this without like getting into something controversial because i don't want to get controversial i just want to talk about this like Mm -hmm. if i showed you a chart about the number of french fries i ate last week yes and it was like a very high number yes (laughs) (laughs) um and it was correct Uh and i said it appears that aaron is gaining a ton of weight because he's eating all these french fries hmm right yeah and i sent that to you and i just said look at all the fucking french fries this guy's eating like what if he's gonna get so fat right yeah um and i left out the part where i one that was all i was eating Mm. two was working out like eight hours a day so burning off all the calories Mm -hmm. or something like that so you would from your perspective being only exposed to that statistic and somebody sort of signaling you to believe that i was gaining weight right um you say well how can aaron not be gaining weight when he's eating all those french fries Mm -hmm. now a simple example like that could easily be dispelled by almost anybody you know it's easy to say he might be working out you don't know um but with a complex political thing it's much yeah. yeah it gets it gets a lot harder 
right? Yeah. Well, especially um, if I don't, it's kind of like if I if I don't know you personally, if I've never met you. Yes. I don't know the details. Yeah, it's going to be harder to disprove that you're not getting fat. Right, exactly. Yeah. Especially, yeah, it's, and it's like somebody could Photoshop a picture of me eating a bunch of French fries. I mean, they wouldn't have to. They could just, well, just follow me around. just your profile picture, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And then you could have people, you know, taking a, you know, showing a, a, a hard light picture of me, like, you know, ripped or whatever, you know, mm. photoshopped or whatever, just yeah. to be like, he's not getting fat, you assholes. And so then you get this war of, like, facts, mm. right? So that's where, you know, you're getting into a, a world where facts really don't matter. Right. right. Yeah. Which is the whole fake news bullshit going on today. Yeah. Um, so everyone's got their alternative facts. Mm -hmm. So we're really getting into... Gray propaganda, almost, in a lot of places. Yeah. Which, yeah. The propaganda, at, when it was originally, when it was originally, like, categorized as a thing, hmm. it wasn't, like, a pejorative. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, a, like, <laughs> God, it's just propaganda, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it was just like, oh, that's propaganda. Yeah, I mean, it's an advertisement for a political view or something like it's that. It's an art form, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're Orwell, you already believe that all art is propaganda, so there you go. Oh, shit. Um, well, that's just his propagandistic title for a book about how it's not exactly that way, but there mm. you It got you to look. <laughs> so, let's talk about uh, black propaganda, huh? Okay, yeah. This is, this is like, actual... The real McNeil? It, this is the real deal, yeah. Um, it's inherently deceitful. Mm. Um and it's always attributed to a source that wasn't, like, responsible for its creation. Uh, so this is like, you know, um, let me come up with an example. Let's go to the French fry thing. All right. <laughs> um, so it's like if somebody said, I know that Aaron's eating lots of French fries because he told me so. Right? Right. He provided the charts himself and he showed me all of his, his entire treasury. Like, I got an exclusive interview with Aaron. Right. And, you know, I'm publishing it here, and he's eating French fries all day, every day. And he's just getting fat as hell, and he knows it, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, fucking, bro, I had, like, one bag of French fries. We had an interview, and, like, I was, I just happened to be eating French fries. Like, chill. Mm -hmm. um, but or you're a made character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're just faking the whole thing. Or faking the whole thing. But when you get into black propaganda, it gets, it gets really, really dark, really, really oh, boy, fast. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to cover that, because I found this book... Oh, boy. On the Internet Archive, published in 1942. Oh. By a name, by a guy named George, I think it's Seldes. Uh-huh. Um, and he was writing for, um, well, he was writing about radio and propaganda and that shit. Got it. Um, and also, like, what he experienced fighting in the war with propaganda. Sure. Who did he fight for? Uh, he was the an American. Oh, okay. Good. So, <laughs> I have this. I, I was reading this book because I'm I'm super interested in this topic, mm -hmm. uh, because mind control is a very serious thing. Um, and, and you're a cult leader or aspiring to be, so you got to get this right, shit down. Right. Yeah. I need to know how to do this, right? Of course. But I also need to know how to detect propaganda. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go to pay what? There's competition out there for other yeah, cults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If I want to beat Scientology, I mean, <laughs> exactly. No, it, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, it is true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to out-propaganda the propagandists. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, this is from page 61, chapter, or section 2 of a certain chapter. I can't remember. It's got a big 2 on there somewhere. Okay. Um, but there's no page break, so I don't know if it's a chapter or a section. Anyway. Sure. 
This section is uh, headed with how to detect propaganda. So, listeners and James, I'm about to educate you on how to know when you are being um, forced into believing something that you don't believe. Mm, okay, I'm ready. Um, yeah, it's not a case that's being proven, it's just an idea that's being put in your head. Um, and this is how to know, and this is just a basic example of, of some kind of shit that went on. Gotcha. Um, all right, so... This is, this is from George. He says, <clears throat> Long before I knew what propaganda was or cared about a definition, I had actual experience with propaganda in action. Hmm. I knew that there was good and bad propaganda and that the wisecrack about propaganda being the other fellow's view is only a wisecrack. There is not only good and bad propaganda, but propaganda based on truth and propaganda based on falsehood. My experience in the European war illustrated it. Hmm. I was one of the fortunate 22 who constituted the press department of the American army in France. Uh, and who were privileged to see the workings of both true and false propaganda. In the European war, as in the present, there was strict censorship and such complete and well-founded suspicion about everything that even soldiers were not allowed to write home. Jesus. They were given printed postcards on which they could sign their names after crossing out unwanted printed phrases, but not mm. adding a single word in pencil or ink. So it's like a reverse Mad Lib. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, Except you're, so here, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to read you some of these printed phrases oh, that you yes. can send home okay. to your family. Yeah. All right, so oh, there's and three I'm going to decide if I would cross it out or not. Okay, so there's three boxes here, and you have to pick between one of these, all right? Okay, yeah. I am well, I am sick, I am in hospital. Uh, I'm going to go with I am sick, because I'm not okay. well. I'm obviously in France, so not well. Uh, mm. I'm not in the hospital, because hospitals are for pussies, so I'm just going to go with sick. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after this, you get four more options. <clears throat> okay. I am going on leave soon. Mm. I have returned from leave. Hmm. I have received your letter. I have not received your letter. Okay, well, the the first two are straight out there. Because going on leave, what? <sighs> Jesus Christ. I'm an American soldier. I do not go on leave, okay? That's, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's running from the problem. Uh, letters, um, I'm gonna go with, I have not received your letter, uh, which isn't true. I have received the letter, <laughs> but I burned it in an oven because I have, I'm at war and I have no time for the romanticism of wishing I was back home on the prairie of Kansas with the sweetheart. <laughs> so, I'm sick, I have not received your letter. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here... We're just going to carry on because that actually doesn't fucking matter which ones you pick. It's oh, just, it's just, say, it's just saying, like, that's how they had to write letters at oh, a certain yeah. point in the war. Okay. Because they weren't, if they said anything else that could possibly per be perceived oh. as, like, hey, shit's not going well with my squad, or yeah. I'm losing morale, or we're running out of ammo, or food is low, please send some candy, you know, like right. that sort of thing. Dude, I just had a great idea. Yes. We need to make this kind of letter but as a review for our show. So we can post it on Twitter and corral our listeners into saying what we want to hear. You're right. I'm going should... to get on it. Yep. We need to get the propaganda machine rolling. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's carry on. There's a little more to learn. Okay. All right. Uh, now, this is what the American Intelligence Department did as a piece of propaganda. Mm -hmm. It printed many cards, um, which could also be used by prisoners, Many cards like this, where you mm -hmm. have all of these boxes about what you're doing. Um, and they all made them available to German prisoners hmm. and, and Japanese prisoners and whatnot. Yeah. Um, 
you know, whoever, whoever the prisoner happened to be. So they would add a paragraph at the end, which said, quote, I have been taken prisoner by the Americans. Do not worry about me anymore. Now I am getting two pounds of white bread a day, meat, oranges, chocolates, cigarettes, and a roll of toilet paper. The same rations as issued to the American soldiers. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So All right. <laughs> here's where we... Yeah, yeah. Wow. So people who have not... This is uh, continuing with George. This is not from the paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who have not been at the front and many Americans who were in the European War may find it hard to imagine the effect of this simple forged postcard on the minds of the German infantrymen who had been starving for years, hmm. who had undergone privations and mud and had hungered for cigarettes and gone to sleep over many a month uh, with a barmicide feast of white bread, oranges, and chocolate. We, we quote-unquote, lost hundreds of thousands of these cards behind the German line and in no man's land, and it did not suffice us to find bedraggled German soldiers coming over, surrendering and asking, When do I get my white bread, oranges, and chocolates? <laughs> wow, that's so, so sad. <laughs> isn't that interesting? They would just leave the cards? that were, yeah. you know, that's, It isn't like, you know quit fighting for germany and we'll give you bread it's just like okay like here's a prisoner postcard and you know here's yeah a paragraph at the end. Um, oh okay. so, and i can just picture them like accidentally forgetting a crate load of these cards mm-hmm. as they're retreating or pulling back or whatever and then the oh they fucking dropped them oh over yeah the land. i oh, mean I'm it was sure. that so this is what george calls truthful propaganda and mm. that's debatable of course um, he claims that indeed we did give the prisoners the promised foods when we had them and we did treat them well and it was the most effective and demoralizing propaganda I've ever heard of. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to skip a few paragraphs here. It's just a little bit, a few skip more details. Um, here's an example of propaganda as action. On the night of February 23rd, 1942, the President of the United States was scheduled to make an important fireside chat or report to the nation on the progress of the war. Sure. Some 65 million or 70 million persons gathered around radios to hear it. All right. But as the as the president was finishing his excellent address, a Japanese submarine fired one or two dozen small shells into an oil refinery on the California coast, hmm. doing very little material damage. The president the next day called it political war. It was hmm. rather an act of propaganda, and it was tremendously effective for the Axis. Yeah. This unimportant piece of useless warfare from the military point of view became the first headline story in the American newspapers the next morning. Wow. It took precedence to the president's speech. It got the 96-point and larger type. It was shouted by the newsboys. And thus, Japan, by the expenditure of a few dollars worth of shells, made the front page of 42 million newspapers and put over a Japanese propaganda point. There you go. Wow. (laughs) So an incident like that uh, supports the demand of those who want the press censored and dictated to. Playing up the Japanese sub's attack was one of the worst pieces of journalistic sabotage since the war began and ignorance and stupidity on the part of america's editors and publishers are no excuse in wartime wow um yeah Yeah. so there's a there's an interesting thing because get this this is the outcome so the japanese were able to put over their propaganda about the vulnerability of the american coastline and they were able to put over something much more important a demand that the naval forces be recalled from their naval duty exactly. from work and high command believes the most important to yeah. to safeguard the coast there you go yeah yeah 
Um, and here, oh. here it gets even worse. It is true that the publishers who played up the story and, poli- and the politicians who filled the congressional halls with roars for defense of the coast were the most loyal and patriotic of Americans, sure. but they were nevertheless, without knowing it, doing exactly what the Japanese propaganda department wanted to do. They wow. were disrupting America's war effort. Yeah. This is what they call psychological warfare. Well, that, that's a really cool example that I've never heard of. Yeah. Wow. Um, and as I was reading this, I was like, this is secretly brilliant. Yeah. Um, but to see that, well, having studied communication, mm-hmm. it's fucking scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, that this was going on back then. And this is like one small example. Um, and it wasn't even like openly deceptive. It was just a reframing of a small event as, oh, now America's coasts are weak. Maybe pull some ships back to defend the coast. Right. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I want to do another one. I have another bit. Go for it. Um, so this is this is in con. This is from George again. Uh, in contrast to acts of propaganda, which I believe a thousand times to be uh, a thousand times as effective as conventional propaganda, uh, here is one of the best samples of the latter. It deals with the first days of the European War. The actual fact was simp- was told simply in the first story. All right. So this is this. These are the facts. The first story printed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the fall of Antwerp got known, the church bells were rung. That's it. Okay. Mm. And here's here's other newspapers republishing the story. Um, and this is from Le Martin Paris. Um, according to the Cologne Gazette, this is quoting the original article. According yeah. to the Cologne Gazette, the clergy of Antwerp were compelled to ring the church bells. Huh. Hmm. So they okay. added in the little bit of... They, yeah, you know, they're forced. Yeah, they were forced to do it. Interesting, okay. And then the Times in London mm. quoted Le Martin and said, according to what Le Martin has heard from Cologne, the Belgian clergy who refused to ring the church bells when Antwerp was taken oh, have been driven away. Oh, God. Wow. And this is, this is uh, <laughs> from Corriere della Sera, which All is right. in Italy. Yeah. According to what the Times of London has heard from Cologne via Paris, (laughs) the unfortunate Belgian clergy who refused to ring the church bells when Antwerp was taken have been sentenced to hard labor. Oh, God. This is just a big game of telephone, except each member is a biased journalist. (laughs) Exactly. And so the, the same, then it goes back to Paris to the same paper. Oh, God. Um, that this Italian paper pub, uh, quoted or whatever. And so this is Limotia again, and it says, according to the information to the uh, Corriere della Sera from Cologne via London, it is confirmed that the barbaric conquerors of Antwerp punished the unfortunate Belgian clergy by hanging them as living clappers to the bells Jesus. with their heads down. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the clergy were like, actually, it was just time for mass. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to keep going with this because we're about to get into one of the most important parts of understanding propaganda. Yeah. So we're just going to continue with George here, and he's going to make a comment on what we just read. He says, that's how propaganda, the lying kind, is made out of a fact. Note that it was the Paris uh, Matin which uh, was the first to pick up the cologne hmm. item and give it just a mild twist, making yeah. the effect sympathetic to the Allies. 
Notice how the Mattia again used uh, picks up its own story twisted out of shape from an Italian paper and how it uses propaganda words such as barbaric. Yeah. In addition to making the episode a real atrocity. Right. Notice also the usual appearance of according to and via. Oh, God. You will find them again and again in the news today, and you will find them in all the lying dispatches which filled the press from 1917 on regarding Russia. Oh, the sure. datelines of the falsehoods were Riga, Reval, Helsingfors, and each story usually had an according to reliable sources. Oh, God. And most of them came via Constantinople or Bucharest or points west. Huh. The value of propaganda in wartime was recognized after the European War when George Creel wrote how we advertised America in 1920, and the archives of governments were opened. Did words win the war? If they didn't, they surely helped. There is the conclusion of a thorough investigation of the America of the American propaganda, one of the smallest compared to British and German, made by Mock and Larson in their Words That Won the War in 1939. Meanwhile, propaganda had become such an important phase of our lives and a factor affecting our lives that the Institute for Propaganda Analysis was organized by a group of college professors aided by a grant from Feline, the Boston merchant. Hmm. Here's the IPA statement, okay? Mm -hmm. If American citizens are to have a clear understanding of conditions and what to do about them, and conditions being like how things are, actually are, yeah. and what to, be, uh, to do about them, they must be able to recognize propaganda to analyze it and to appraise it. They must be able to discover whether it is propaganda in line with their own interests and the interests of our civilization, whether it is propaganda that may uh, distort our views and threaten to undermine our civilization. Propaganda, more than ever, is an instrument of aggression, a new means for rendering a country defenseless in the face of an invading army. Never before has there been so much propaganda. Never before have there been so many propagandas of such great importance to the lives of all of us. Hmm. As generally understood, propaganda is opinion expressed for the purpose of influencing actions of individuals and groups. More formally, the Institute for Propaganda Analysis has defined propaganda as... Quote, expression of opinion or action by individuals or groups deliberately designed to influence opinion or actions of other individuals or groups with reference to predetermined ends. Huh. End quote. And this is the last line in the, the quote that George brought out from the yeah. uh, Propaganda Analysis uh, Institute. Uh, the propagandist tries to put something across, good or bad. Mm-hmm. The scientist does not try to put anything across. He devotes ah. his life to the discovery of new facts and principles. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is that is really important. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. If you want to tell if something is propaganda, try to figure out if it's trying to tell you something mm-hmm. or tell you what to think. Right. And then if you really, I mean, because it's easy to say like, okay, that's any story ever. Right. So like sure. if you've got yeah. like a hero's journey or something like that. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a call. Oh, yeah. yeah so hero's science. journey. Yeah. Hero's journey. Hero's journey. Right. So you could say like, OK, the message of the hero's journey is that the underdog can rise up and become like really powerful and win against the bad guys. Right. right which is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sometimes bullshit because sure. but sometimes it does happen in real life. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, then the argument is not about whether or not it's true, um, or whether or not that's a, that's a good, that's a, you know, whether or not it's a message, because it's obviously a message. That's the point of stories. Yeah. But then you get into a sort of a moral realm, Uh where is it moral to tell people they can defeat the bad guys, right? Uh Um, is it immoral to tell people 
that they can defeat the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you're really talking about messages um, and you're talking about what messages are worthy of being delivered. Hmm. But a propagandist isn't is not chiefly worried about the. Um, they're chiefly worried about their message and how they can put it across. Um, and they've considered, sometimes they've considered the morality of what they're trying to say and what they're trying to put in people's heads, and sometimes they haven't. Yeah. Um, it just really depends on how deep into whatever ideology you have uh, you are. Hmm. Um, so like a, a communist making propaganda who really believes in it is going to make some really strong fucking stuff. Right. Um, and one who's just doing it as a job is probably not going to make the strongest stuff, I don't sure. think. Sure, well, they're not going to compel them. Right. So, anyway, so you, you have to, it's really hard to think about this in, in macro terms because you and I, you know, will, and even, in, you know, even as a listener, an individual listener, you know, you see a piece of propaganda, you're like, arg, it's propaganda. Yeah. Um, and it looks funny to us in the same way that movies from that era look funny to us. Sure, yeah. Right, so you watch a silent film nowadays. It's like a stationary video. Yeah, um, you can't hear anything. Everybody's moving a little too fast, and you're going, "This is a primitive movie." Yeah, you watch a movie today, and it's like perfectly polished. Nobody has any flaws in their face, and you're like, mm-hmm. "This is a movie. It looks like a real movie." Yeah, right? even um, though both are pretty much equally removed from reality. <laughs> right, exactly, and you might even argue that the later version, the you know, souped up, cleaned up version is more unrealistic than the crappy little silent film. Yeah. You could make that argument, but that's not the point. The point is primitive, older propaganda looks primitive to us because it's a precursor to the kind of stuff that exists today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into modern propaganda because everyone's going to call me a conspiracy theorist, which is fine. (laughs) Um, But propaganda fucking exists nowadays maybe more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's subtler, and I, I don't know if it's more dangerous, but it's subtler and more motivating. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 subversive, too. So, anyway, mm. people will argue about things that they know nothing about just because they've heard some messages that they... They ate it up. Were, right? Yeah. They ate it up. They were also complimented for eating up. They were saying, oh, good yeah. job. Good, you know, eat your veggies, you know. You're a woke this is person. Hard. Yeah, that's that's when I that's why I have a problem with that phrase is because it's like you're being praised for simply accepting, for giving, yeah, in, yep. not for th- thinking through these things and coming to your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't reward. I mean, well, I should say propagandists don't want to reward people for thinking. They want to reward people for ringing accepting. The bell. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's it's just Pavlov shit. Right. It really is. It's like all you have to do is confess. All you have to do is just, you know say you did it or say you believe it and you know guess what we'll give you a tin of bread a tin (laughs) of coffee and you can go home to your family and if you don't you know hey you know no coffee no bread and maybe you'll just be on the wrong side of history Mm -hmm. you know so anyway but we're about to get into the really exciting shit okay okay well that that was informative uh I, i actually really enjoyed that and well, I wonder where our podcast falls on the propaganda scale. Uh, see, the, I was thinking about that. Okay. Because we analyze these historical figures. We do. And we leave out lots of shit. Sure. 
because we have no choice. We're a sh- we're well, not a short show, but we try to keep it. We're short. You know, we men can't with go the through show. every detail. Yes, we're yes. short. Men. <laughs> we can't go through every detail. So no. we're as- attempting. We're essentially doing gray propaganda, so to speak. We're kind of selecting. We're selecting material. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, um, and and that's kind of funny because like everybody does that. There's no way to get around that. Well, there's no objective material out there at all. <laughs> well, and that's besides that's, maybe that's, nature itself. <laughs> Actually, oh, that's shit. fucking exactly right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's. Okay. Think. Just let's do this. Let's let's really get real here. Okay. okay yeah. I'm All ready. Right. Let's stop talking about messages. Let's start talking about how how we deal with the bombardment of information these days. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happens? Tell me this. You camp a lot. All right. Yes. What happens when you go out camping for a week? You smell really bad. Yeah. You lose a lot of weight. And you don't have much fun, but you're compelled to go again for some strange reason. Right. And how do you feel? I mean, oh, as shit, far this as is like, getting real. All right. say the third day, how do you feel waking up in the morning and not pulling out your phone or anything like that? How does that feel? Uh, you, well, there's the first slump of a day or two, but then <laughs> you're so... um enraptured by this barbaric lifestyle that you you reach this ecstasy of being a loner being your own man out there in the wildness Mm. wilderness wildness whatever yeah so it feels good man it feels good to not have that little radiation pocket in your pocket yeah well and your head is clear Mm mm-hmm why because a lot of people i mean a lot of people what what what? sorry because the media is not pooping into your head well that but uh, and a lot I, I hear people say a lot of days they're reconnecting with nature oh yeah there's that hippie phrase that we all love yeah, yeah. but i don't think that's entirely it i think okay. you're i think you're when you're out there you remove the noise between you and the way the world is hmm. okay because if you're in the middle of the woods and you run out of food that's a fact yeah the truth is hunger. It's pain, right? Right. You can't avoid that. That's the one real thing you have to, to hold on to, really. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a bunch of other things vying for your attention. You don't have a bunch of news stories telling you you need to be afraid. Right. You don't have them telling you you need to feel triumphant. You don't have them putting you on this this roller coaster of emotion. You don't feel sick when you read a certain article or that sort of thing. Because right. you're dealing with what's in front of you. Yeah, they've all you're... taken a backseat to the immediate danger. Right. Your personal experience. It's the realest thing you can experience. Mm -hmm. And propaganda is really only effective with people who are already kind of asleep. Hmm. Okay. Um, Because basically, when you're in the world of your head Mm -hmm. and you're only thinking about ideas all the time, Suddenly, everything starts to sound kind of samey. Yeah, yeah. But when you're out in the real world and you come across, if you say you spend a week in the forest or yes. a month or something, and you know you've been living off the land and surviving, I mean, just imagine it. Just imagine it. You have, you know, maybe you brought some companions with you or something or yeah. or whatever. But you're not connected to this grand mind narrative about what's going on in the big world. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, we're getting into Schrodinger's cat a little bit, mm. right? So mm-hmm. I had a Schrodinger's cat feeling when I went to New York City for the first time. Because I realized that my conception of New York City was in- completely incorrect. All right. 
I had some feelings. I had some pictures in my head of certain buildings and some celebrities being there and all that stuff. Yeah. But when I got there, I realized two things. One, one, my conception of New York was completely wrong. It was way bigger than I thought. Yeah. Um, And the other thing was that just by being there, I had changed the definition of the city. Mm. Because now it included me, right? Right. Even if it was a small modification, now I was part of the city. Sure. Right? Um, So what's interesting about that is as soon as I left, I lost my real conception of what was the city was really like um, and started to eliminate all of the negative elements about living there. I, I sort of forgot that the trains, you know, were so loud I could, they would keep me up at night and I uh. forgot that, you know, it smelled horrible and that sort of thing. And yeah. the things I did remember though, were the positive feelings I had sitting on my porch in Queens and just reading. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And looking out over the, over the river and, and just like, you know, Oh boy. New York so, is ringing the bell, Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, when you're out in the woods and you're detached from the grand mind narrative, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying there's one, I'm saying there's tons of them. Yeah, and you basically get to pick your poison these days. Um, you suddenly reprioritize your life. Right. Um, and but that's that's also why like you sort of get people who, you know, like. I mean, when I was, when I was, when I've worked basic jobs that anybody can get and that sort of thing, you meet all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, they don't give a shit about what such and such said today. Sure. And what such and such said about tomorrow. Right. They don't give a, a shit who's driving what. Sometimes they do because they, you know, like pretty things basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, that's where it ends. Um, that's that's just where it ends because the reality of life is on them all day all the time yeah and i was i was i mean but that's that's sort of like the argument for why the german middle class produced you know the intellectual changes that it did yeah uh back in back in the day when marx and engels were having a righty feast you know um you know, when they were writing up their ideas, they were saying, you know, the the contention is that they were so isolated from the reality of life that they invented this sort of false conception of what an actual person was. Hmm. Okay. Um, and that they turned them into statistics and classes, uh, sort of like with wild abandon. Now, this is not my criticism. This is just criticism I've heard. Okay. Um, and I sort of resonate with it because... Because um, you're not a commie? Yeah. Uh, no, I sort of resonate with because you know when I if you put me in the room with somebody, yeah, and you didn't tell me who they were, sure, um, and I didn't know anything about them, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't know anything about me, I think we'd probably have a conversation. Okay. Really. Yeah. But if you said you're going in to meet with this fill in the blank, yeah, and this is what he thinks about you, mm. then you go in with a completely different idea. Oh, you're biased. And it's exactly. Yeah. And even if they aren't that and even if they don't think that about you you're predetermined to believe that oh yeah it'll take a lot more to disprove it too yeah and it's and and on top of that like it'll be even harder to improve it if the guy telling you that is wearing a fucking lab coat you know what i mean yeah you know this okay look we've done the studies this guy is fill in the blank he's done this he thinks this about you um we want you to just go in and have a cup of coffee with him you know and try to survive for 10 minutes. <laughs> if a guy in a lab coat tells you that, or a guy in an officer's uniform or something tells you that, you're going to be like, oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, of course, replicate. That's, of course, you know, a, a 
staple of all the dangerous science experiments you hear about when, like, they were... Press this button when this guy gets something wrong, he'll get a small shock, but, you know, it's no big deal. It's wrong, so... It's yeah. wrong, so shock him. And if the guy's in a lab coat, they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so I want to get into, the like, the really... The really big spots, okay? Okay. And I want here's what I want you to do, okay? Mm-hmm. Since it's me, and since I'm I'm uh, I piss people off pretty frequently, um, I'm going to ask you. you. I'm going to ask you to give me an example. Oh. Um, for each of these categories. Oh shit. Of uh, propagandistic technique. Okay. Right? So there are seven of them. Oh boy. And there are, there are more, but there are seven listed in the original uh, issue from the Institute of Pro- for Propaganda Analysis. All right. Okay. Oh, I'm going to be stepping on some landmines here. Well, everyone knows that you are. Invincible, and are a landmine yourself. <laughs> Excellent. Get, before we do this, can we take a break? I have to. Um... Shit, I'll be honest with you. I'm addicted to heroin. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, I gotta. I gotta take a break. All right. <laughs> I will mark. Oops. I will mark it then. I gotta let my dog out real quick and get some coffee. All right. Let's leave it rolling. This is some good deep stuff. Welcome back. Do you think Santa was the one who killed JFK? If I tell you that, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> you already have, my friend. You already <laughs> have. Yeah, I've been crushing your soul throughout this. No. What? No. No, you're good. All right, cool. Let's mark this for back. Twelve. All right, cool. All right, so shall we get into these little cornerstones of how to detect propaganda? Yes, in your and I am life? ready to give you propaganda and piss off nearly every demographic in the world. Well, it should piss off every demographic in the world. Good. Yeah, um, it, and it, it, it really should because, like, you know I obsess over this shit. Uh, you do. <laughs> I sent you a link the other night. Uh, you um, did. <laughs> which was the most bald-faced bullshit propaganda I've ever seen in my life. It was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but no. the point is, everybody fucking does it, so... Um, but Veggie Tales most of all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here we go. Number one. Name-calling. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, giving an idea a bad label. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is used to make us reject and condemn the idea without examining the evidence. Okay, well... Can you think of any examples in your own life? In my... Oh, you want you want personal stories? Maybe. Oh, if shit. If you got personal stories. If not, you could... You know, okay, well, I was, gonna, I was gonna jump straight at the throat, but... Do it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we'll let that, that slide. I mean, the... I mean, we could get into the uh, the 2016 election of name calling here uh, here in America, but mm-hmm. um, okay. Well, yeah. In my own life, I call my my dog a piece of shit, right? right. <laughs> and is she really a piece of shit? No, she's not. She's actually pretty much a perfect dog. But by calling her that, I'm giving legitimacy to myself. And trying to make myself believe that I'm better than this canine, whereas in reality, I'm the real piece of shit. And, um, yes. <laughs> it's it's me. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. that one you see a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which... Here, here, here's one that... I, another name-calling one. 
it this is probably one of the ones that pisses me off the most right yes so okay we've got this divide between the left and the right here in america and i i'm just gonna say i agree with the right on some things and i agree with the left on some things i'm not a part of either side both sides piss me off but i like both sides it's <laughs> it's complicated it's a complicated relationship but we're working it out it's them not me uh but with this name calling thing you've got the left and they'll call anyone on the right who doesn't agree perfectly with them a Nazi racist bigot. Mm -hmm. And then on the right, anyone who doesn't agree with them, they're a cuck or they're a whore or they're a, there's a, they're a communist bastard. And as soon as these names are thrown out, the argument's done. You, there's, you're not going to get any deeper. You're not going to get any further. The, the name is like the last... The name calling is the, the final the final frontier of debate now it's mm. once you're there you can't go any further because every, every each side has made up their mind yes and it, it's just such bullshit it's bad debate it's it's bad arguments there's no room for compromise oh god okay i, I i'm done but yeah well that pisses me off i want to modify that too sure uh, or maybe just add to it mm -hmm. um so like you know <clears throat> what I'm hearing you say is that debate is over when you're using names. Um, perhaps, sure. Okay. Um, what if I told you okay. that the debate was over before the names were called? Oh, alright, alright. I'm on that salad boat. Let's, <laughs> let's go further. <laughs> um, so if you're thinking in your head uh -huh. um, that everyone against you is a Nazi or a communist. Sure or whatever it doesn't even have to be political you know mm -hmm. it can be this can be a religious thing oh yeah absolutely um like that you, you know you're talking to you know if you're if you're a christian um or something like that yeah uh it's very you'll you're going to find people who generalize atheists as all bad right right and if you're an atheist believe it or not you're going to find people who generalize christians as all bad yeah and that's just fucking true because i've experienced both sides of that oh same um, yeah yeah and that's the frustrating part. Right. Um, because you're, you've turned yourself into a little circle. Yeah. Um, and everyone outside of that circle is is lower than you, right? Yeah. Um, there's an article by C.S. Lewis called The Inner Ring, which actually mm. talks about this almost specifically. There are secret hierarchies within the made, you know, the, uh, the uh, overt hierarchies. Right. That sort of thing. Um, and so my experience with, with, uh, with, Christians recently in Austin has mm. been very positive because most of them are open to having the conversation, mm. um, which is wonderful because yes. you can have a conversation and you can challenge one another, that sort of thing. Right. My experience with atheists in Austin has been fairly similar, but you're going to hate me for saying this, and I think some of our listeners might oh be mad about this. Oh, boy. Um, is that the, the uh, atheist communities that I've come across have been populated almost as much um, by people who want to generalize religious people as just stupid, that sort of thing. Sure. And my, you know, the, the Christians that I grew up with, most of them wanted to, you know, generalize, were populated people who, with people who were generalizing atheists as amoral, uh, shameless sons of bitches with, you know, nothing valuable and, you know, how can they be good people without God and all that right. stuff. 
there's an argument to be had there. There is. There's a debate to be had there. Mm -hmm. The difference is the people who I've really gotten along with in both parties would probably be comfortable sitting in the same room and having the fucking conversation. Exactly, yeah. Now, when I was a kid and I was, I was you know, deeply Christian and everything, um, I was afraid of atheists. I didn't, Ooh. you know, I would see a video pop up of the atheist experience or something on oh, YouTube dear. and I would, I would be scared. I wouldn't want to click it. Yeah. Um, right. And nowadays, it's not that way. I'm happy to listen. Mm-hmm. And there was a phase that I went through where I was afraid to listen to philosophers and theologians and people on the other side, the more esoteric side, because I was afraid that they might make a good point mm. and I might go back. Um, but... My, in my experience, the best people that I come across are not the ones who are on either side. Right. The best people who I come across are the ones who want to talk about it and have the humility to say, I may be fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, and they're not, they're not name calling, right? And they're not, taking a, they're not picking a team. They're identifying themselves. Yeah. Right? It's like you're not sitting in a room talking to John, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're talking to John the Atheist. Yes. Yeah, but if you're sitting a in a room, yeah, if you sit in a room with John and, you know, he happens to be an atheist and you're having a conversation about it and you're both open about it, you're not in the realm of name calling and you can have a discussion. And the good news is if you both have the humility to admit that you're just fucking human beings and you're having a conversation mm. together and neither of you has it figured out, guess what? Almost 100% of the time you're going to walk away friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's just true. Yeah. Um, it just it just is. Yeah. So. I think I think when you get when you get yourself out of the realm. Of, well, I mean, think about like the the stories you see of like, you know, this person from this culture is forced to be with this person of this other culture, mm. right? And they have to do it for like a week, like they're trapped in an elevator or they're trapped in a, you know, in a in a situation together where they have to learn to work together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why do we all feel great about those when we watch those stories? Well, elevators are scary. <laughs> no it's people breaking the boundaries that we often set up ourselves yes yeah exactly um and i mean that's why we all feel good about those kinds of stories it's because there's a there's a transcendent almost transcendent sort of love that comes between human beings who are really on one another's side period yeah. Like, I don't care what you think. I'm still going to support. I still want to figure out you. I want to know more about you. I don't want to know more about your ideas or your ideology or anything. Like, we can talk about that, mm -hmm. but only in the con only in the realm of how it affects you and makes you who you are. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've had conversations with all kinds of people I disagree with, and we're still great friends. Yeah. Um, and I guess, personally, I don't understand, like, uh, rejecting people who don't necessarily agree with everything you say. Sure. And I don't – I do not resonate at all with people who only want to hang out with people exactly like them because oh, that's – Oh, God. Oh, God. <sighs> then you're just – it's just a circle jerk for Christ's Oh, my sake. gosh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just a – So, but name-calling is a hallmark of being a part of one of those little groups. Mm -hmm. Now, know, I want to – Stupid – yeah, go ahead. I want to take my own bullet here. Um, Do it. And I'm going to admit to uh, to doing this, actually. Um, yeah. On this show, uh, I will say that, you know, we've come across certain bad ideas and um, we demonize them. And, of course, that's because we have our own opinions and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. 
But there, there is, <laughs> I was listening back to a few of our episodes, and there is one demographic of people where they've become kind of a punching bag for us, um, mm -hmm. where it's less their ideas and more just them, especially me, I will admit. And that is the Mormons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so We're hard on the Mormons. If you're a Mormon, I, I apologize. I've probably been a little too hard on you. I don't like what you believe, but... Uh, too often i'm like oh you're a mormon well you're fucking stupid and i don't you know <laughs> sit down uh, for coffee with them and just talk i i spit in their coffee and set their front lawn on fire um well <laughs> so that's I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i've been thinking about that too because like okay so if we're not going to demonize uh, an entire religion right um and we're not going to demonize an entire political group or something like that um that means that means that we have to actually engage. Mm -hmm. um, that that is the most difficult thing to do because oh, it's uncomfortable. I mean, well, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's. I mean, for me, it was uncomfortable writing in that Mao was bullied as a kid, mm. right? Because mm. it almost sounded like I was justifying the anger he had when he was older. Sure. I'm not. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. That's it. He was bullied as a kid for being a peasant or whatever. Um, or whatever. I think a farmer's... I can't remember what it was exactly. But, like, you include that, and somebody who's looking for reasons to hate Mao is going to feel kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. It's sort of like if I... You know, even in the Goebbels episode, you know, he he had he had physical problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a small guy. Yeah. You know? These are things that you don't it's not something that you have to take into account but if you do it almost sounds like if you're looking for it i'm trying to drum up pity for the guy yeah yeah if true. you're looking for it if you really wanted to get me or something like that you could probably say that i was trying to drum up pity for joseph goebbels mm. and i wasn't and i you know that's the that's the problem is like that's not what i was doing i was trying to just give the facts right um but well you know, i think it brings legitimacy if you say someone is evil um, if you just tell their evil acts, uh, yes. that's going to come across as biased. But if you say someone is evil and then you try to give both, you know, maybe they did do some good things or maybe they had a hard upbringing or whatnot, that's going to give much more legitimacy to your argument of, no, this, this person sucked ass and they hurt a lot of other people, even though that right. they were hurt themselves. It doesn't justify what they did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Brigham Young was a tough one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and because that was probably the first really grayscale person I dealt with. Sure. Yeah. Now, certain I believe me, there are a lot of people out there who hate him for good reason. That's just that's true, right? That's and I'm not I have I have no qualm with somebody who has decided that Brigham Young is like evil incarnate as long as we can talk about that and they can make their case because that's what I'm interested in. I yes. want to know why you think that. Sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the reality is none of us knew the guy. Mm-hmm. So the only way we can outdo one another is Fucking by knowing shit. our shit. Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So let's. that's enough of an unnamed calling. I think we should move on to the next okay. one. Okay. Yeah, we have seven of these. <laughs> All right. So glittering generality. Okay. This is associating something. This is written in 1940. Oh, shit. All right. In the 40s, okay? Oh. Glittering genera generality. Associating something with a virtue word. Ooh. This is used to make us accept and approve of the thing without examining the evidence. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the oh Christian boy. thing to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. It's a virtue word, right? Yeah. Social um, justice. Mm, yeah. 
Um, and they, what's funny is the, the virtue words keep changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that to me is pretty weird because well, I, yeah. I was thinking about just the names of political parties in this country, the Democrats, we stand for democracy, Republicans, <laughs> we are for the Republic, Libertarians, we fight for liberty. It's, ah. Oh. <laughs> well, and think about how those words get corrupted. I mean. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I, I, I keep running into people and I keep hearing people, um, for, for real, in real life, people who are, like, afraid to call themselves liberal these days. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, We're and I'm, I'm running into people who are afraid to call themselves conservatives. Sure. We're traditional. Which, yeah, which the thing is, like, those words are virtually meaningless these days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Obama. I mean, <laughs> I'm an ignorant fuck. Just... But, I mean, okay. I, I, I hate talking about this shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hate talking about this shit. I'm going to try to think of a historical example. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have to talk about a modern day example. Okay. Um, Kulaks. Well, yeah, that's, but that's a, that's a, uh, an evil word, not a virtue word. Oh yeah, that's true. That's that is um, an evil word. Uh, mm. Mm. Uh, how about? This should should not be as hard as it is. Um, it's not. It's it's not hard. I'm just throwing things out of my head so fast you can hardly believe it. Right. Um, because I really don't want to tread into into certain territories, but it's I kind of feel like I should. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. And this is not a comment on it, all right? This is not a comment on the thing. That's my You're fence You're not condoning there, right? or... Uh, I'm sure. not... I'm talking about the language, the words. Okay. Right? Um, so, like, purity, all right? Sure. Purity, uh, say, in Nazi Germany or something like that. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, of a, I don't know the exact word, but, like, there was a focus on, on national purity. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. And if you say, well, we want, because pure itself is a good word, yeah. right? You think of pure water. Oh, yeah. Know? Pure gold. Um, same with diversity. It's a good word, right? That's something you want. You yeah. want lots of different kinds of people offering their opinions and, and their values and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but when those words are modified to mean something, like to be put toward a political end, like purity, mm. purity of race. Oh, geez. You know, yeah, and you you market that as a movement, Ugh. yeah. Um, then you get people actually, literally going for purity. Which is that a thing that we want? I mean, is it a th- is is it a thing that you want, or is it a thing that your state tells you you want? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, um, is is uh, and and that's I don't know. It's 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 rough territory to be in. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but, it, I mean, the reality is we're talking about the usage of words. We're not talking about the words themselves. No. Um, uh, empowerment, that's one. Yeah. Um, empowerment's a great thing, right? But what does that mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Right. Um, a lot of people, uh, I mean, I would say that there's a couple of in- interpretations of the word empowerment, for example. Yeah, sure. One for me, is, it'd be, I'd be able to murder my mailman. <laughs> yeah well but that's different. you're not you're not far off the mark um <laughs> because some people think of empowerment in terms of stepping on others yeah and others think of the term empowerment as rising up mm. right yeah and but the thing is the word itself 
has two different meanings, or well, multiple different meanings depending on who you're talking to, mm. but two very large different meanings. Like, I think for some people when they hear the word empowerment, they feel like they're about to get stepped on, mm. uh, and others when they hear the word empowerment, they feel like they finally got a shot. Right. Um, and when you have people pitting those two people against each other, it creates something very, very ugly. But True. you're t you're talking about glittering generalities here. Um, you're not talking about the cooperation of the two definitions, right? So, like, yeah. people who are afraid they're going to get stepped on, you have to assure them, hey, you're not going to get stepped on. It's okay, right? Don't worry. And the people who are, are, who are being empowered are like, you know, we're going to help you. You don't have to do it alone, right? This is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the point is, like, the word can be thrown out so easily mm -hmm. um, that you could, you know... I mean, you can attach empowerment to anything. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, really, like, really. It's like mailman empowerment. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but it's got to be stopped. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, you know, you know, mailman empowerment. Yep. Um, sounds kind of funny. That's the point. Um, but it's still the empowerment of a certain demographic. Mm. And... If you it, let's just take that example and go with it, even though you were joking, um, say like you had a competition between, you know, government workers like mailmen and um, firemen, for example. Sure. Um, and say they were directly competing, and say um, they were they were competing for funds, right? Yeah. And somebody came along and said, "We're going to empower the mailman." And Jesus <laughs> Christ! That implied that the firemen wouldn't get their fair share or something like that okay um but it also implied that the mailmen would get what they deserved because there are two people coming at that one say well the mailmen need it because they're lower mm. and they need the help yeah right um and then you know you, you've got other people who view it the other way around they're like well we're already we're already equal like yeah. we get the same amount of money um so giving it to them is like you know it's gonna make people jealous mm. right so the point is like virtue words and we're talking about propaganda we're not talking about the actual things okay we're yes. not talking about that we're talking about the message mm -hmm. right the message can get split and divided in two different ways mm -hmm. two main ways and that creates conflict and the point of, point of propaganda is to create conflict between your side and the other side yes so if you can co-opt that empowerment to say that you're being oppressed or you're the oppressor um, you're the winner now. You get to be the victor today. You can get people pretty riled up with just a word. Mm -hmm. Do you, am I making sense? Yeah, here? absolutely. All right, because I'm not talking about modern days only. I'm talking about across time. Of course, propaganda. yeah. Um, right, and I started with it's the Christian thing to do for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, because I heard that one a lot. Or how about this um, word? Martyr or oh, persecution. Yeah. Persecution, martyr, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you could, a virtue word for that would be probably purification. Right, yeah. A pure you know, soul. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, or ousting. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, I'm not making this shit up. Go pick up any newspaper and you'll find this shit next, like, next door. Yeah, it's like crazy. yeah, those, those words. All right, so here's the third one. Well, I know we're before you go, I, um, I want to do something really quick. Okay. I have before me a random word generator. Okay. And we're going to ad ad adopt a word um, for our podcast to begin a movement. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, the word that was generated is cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds of that? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, shit. Cemetery. Uh, it, it is fitting. We do talk about it, dead people. It kind of has to be an adjective or a okay. verb. All right, here we go. Uh, sunshine, no. Park, no. Month, no. Expectation. Oh, that's pretty good, hmm. but no. Encourage! There we go. There's a good there verb. You go. We want to encourage young people to go to school. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Right. Yes, yeah. It's a virtue. We want to encourage. We don't want to encourage people to do such and such. Oh, no. no. See? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. All right, so number uh, trace. What do we got? Number trace. Transfer. Carries the authority, sanction, and prestige of something respected and revered over something else in order to make the latter appear acceptable. Or it carries authority, sanction, and disapproval to cause us to reject and disapprove of something the propagandists would have us reject and disapprove. Okay. Um, All right, so any good Christian would do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah? I think so. Any, okay, I mean... Any good Mormon would do such and such, right. since let, we're talking about it. Let me give you an example just to see if I understand this. Um, yeah. So during World War II, the Allies bombed Dresden, mm -hmm. uh, a German city, and just completely annihilated it, killed a lot of innocent civilians. But hey, we got to stop the Nazis. That's the big yeah. goal here. So, I mean, bombing of Dresden probably wasn't that good, but in the long run, it's fine. You know, war crimes are fine if, uh, if we win the war. Right. Is that kind of the right idea? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much it. It's it's uh do you well, what do you mean you don't want to bomb Dresden? Don't you hate Nazis? Mm, mhm. Mm it's it's a it's an oversimplification and a it's also a persuasive technique. Yeah. Um you go, well, you know, James, <laughs> you're a tall guy, mm -hmm. right? Why wouldn't you want to play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> because I suck at it. Yeah, well, all tall guys play basketball, mm, right? Mm, yeah. And you're a tall guy, so you must play basketball. Right, right. Be loyal to the tall race. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's you could just replace those words with almost anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. All right, so here's another one. Okay. Uh, four, testimonial. Consists in having some respected or hated person say that a given idea or program or product or person is good or bad. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this... Uh, Some respected or hated person yeah. endorsing a program or product oh, God. Um, or person as good or bad. Yeah, I, I, we don't even need to go into that. <laughs> no, there's not even anything to be said. Right. I mean, that shit, yeah. Yeah. That shit's real. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's like us um, saying that we like the Naked Mormonism podcast. That actually hurts Naked Mormonism podcast <laughs> because everyone fucking hates us. Yeah. So by us encouraging such a podcast, we're we're hurting it in the long run because we're despicable. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Okay. Um, and it's sort of like why people disavow endorsements. Yes. You know, like, yes. Uh, and well, somebody told me that this person's bad. I trust that person. Therefore, that person is bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, how many? That's probably happened in your own life a lot. Yeah, it's happening right now in the news. Uh, which thing? Uh, the Nike endorsement. <laughs> oh, that shit. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I mean, exactly. It's like agree or disagree. Like the point is, it's a testimonial. Yep. Um, and I, I'm just gonna say this because, well, 
oh, advertising is propaganda. I mean, right. it, well, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. It's not even two steps back from propaganda. Right. It's just more specialized. Yeah. Um, and again, remember how we started this propaganda? It wasn't always like a four-letter word. Mm-hmm. It was just, ah, we're going to prop something up, right? Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we want to sell this, so we're going to put this out here for people to see. Yeah. You know, you can and you can do it all. Um, name calling. Good people. Glittering generality. Feel great when they use such and such. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, a testimonial. Uh, fill in the blank says it's great, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we get into number five, which is plain folks. Mm-hmm. It's a method by which the speaker attempts to convince his oh, audience yeah. that he and his ideas are good because they are of the people or right. the plain folks. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that just makes me think of the car commercials where it has the mm-hmm. little disclaimer, like, these are not paid actors. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh, my God, this car is is the real shit, man. I love driving mm-hmm. it because it has four wheels and it takes me to my daughter's dance recital. And you're like, oh, yeah. man, I have a daughter, too. I should buy this car. Well, it's also, has this happened to you? <laughs> Boy, my hair is falling out and I'm only 16 years old. Well, has this happened to you? <laughs> well, I have good news. Dr. Breeson's goose poop solution. <laughs> Just rub goose poop on your head, sing a song, and in moments your hair will pop up like the daisies on the graves of Verdun. Shit, <laughs> huh? Wow. Okay, so let's get to the sixth one. Okay. Card stacking. Oh, shit. It involves the selection and use of facts or falsehoods, illustrations or distractions, and logical or illogical statements in order to give the best or worst possible case for an idea, program, person, or product. Ah, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 95% of people who use Bosley um, report their hair coming back or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and only 80% of... or, or only two percent even said it did something wrong. You know, like you're, and and I've got this group of people over. So you're like building up, you know, right. credentials basically for whatever you're trying to advertise. Yeah, like my coffee grounds are organic. They're fair trade. They're not made by slaves. They have a beautiful hazelnut smell, and it'll keep you awake for hours, but not in yeah. a bad way. Yeah, and you're exactly. like, oh my god, they're so right. It's so true. Oh, yeah. 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 So the last one, mm-hmm. and there's more, but this is the last one in this book. Okay. Bandwagon. Oh, shit. <laughs> Has it as, it as its theme, everybody, at least all of us, are uh, doing it. Yeah. Uh, with this, the propagandist attempts to convince us that all members of a group to which we belong are accepting his program, and we must therefore follow our crowd and jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, just pure pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's peer pressure, but it's also taking like a part of you and saying like, okay, okay, here's a funny example. Mm-hmm. All right, so our Twitter ads, oh, the ones that are targeted toward our sh- our Twitter account, mm-hmm. are for like people over fucking eighty five. Oh, okay. Um, I keep getting ads for for uh, Life Alert, for you know, uh, hearing aids, for well, they know I'm dying. Insurance. So. Yeah, well, our birth date on on Twitter is 1897, um, sure. July 4th, 1897. Yeah. So, uh, that's why we're getting those ads. But it shows these pictures of all these old people happy and they're doing it and that sort of thing. And they're saying, you've got to get on the crowd, you know, get in with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. So I got an idea. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to, on the fly, create an ad for something. Oh, God. Using all seven of these. Oh, shit. 
propaganda technique. Jeez. I'm so ready. So, <clears throat> I'm gonna be an unbiased consumer. Alright. Not of burritos. Fuck you. Of commerce. Well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a uh, can of sparkling water in my desk. Oh, okay. Alright. Cool. Alright, so we'll start with, uh... Seduce me! Alright, plain folks, alright? Yeah. Everybody loves a good sparkling drink, but not everyone loves... And that's plain folks, by the way. Yeah. Everyone loves sparkling drinks, but not everyone loves to toxify their body with the sugary products of oh. monster, you know, um, fucking soda companies. But we love our, this is transfer, but we love sparkling water so much, we're not willing to give up the, uh, you know, the sugary sludge that we're drinking now. Mm, mm-hmm. True. Enter Belle V Pure Sparkling Water. What? Glittering generality. Um, a pure sparkling water experience without the sugar and without the calories of regular soda fountain drinks. Oh, shit. Belle V Sparkling Water is naturally canned at the source and fill it is sodium-free and it's unsweetened and has no calories. Card stacking. Mm. Wow, yeah, there you Everybody go. loves Belle V Sparkling Water, including our guy... Um, uh, the guy who killed Richard Saddam Hussein, Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> including our guy, the guy who killed who killed Saddam Hussein. Oh shit, he's an American hero. Um, I should have listened to him. Yeah. And that's our testimonial. And then the last one is the bandwagon. So come on down and try out pure sparkling water today. It's the new drink for a new age. Oh my god. Now that was really on the fly. I get it, sure, but I managed to hit all seven. Yeah, you did. You did. That was. Yeah, I liked it. But how similar does that sound to your regular goddamn advertising? Um, the yeah. same. <laughs> it's the same shit. Yeah. And it, you know, like we don't even have to talk politics, but like if you apply some of these to the political shit you're oh, reading, Jesus Christ, with any honesty at all, it's the same bullshit. Well, all of the conventions for the 2016 elections on all sides were just advertisements oh yeah it's just the same yeah, yeah. it's it's uh you built well we saw it in the slogans we read yeah yeah you build a brand for your enemy and you build a brand for you yep and you make them look as bad as possible and you make you look as good as possible simple mm-hmm. done and done yeah so those are the seven techniques in that book um well and uh seven let's blessings oh. let's see here there was one other thing uh nope i'm gonna skip that we're good that was really good i mean yeah this is that was probably your best rant on the show oh, <laughs> well, it wasn't a rant it was a lecture and i mean that yeah. in a good way <laughs> Well, I mean, I've already hedged enough, but I don't think there's no, any need to hedge when you're talking about mind control. Mm, um, no, especially in when this you day re and age. when yeah, when you realize when you realize you feel sad or sick all the time. Mm -hmm. Consider turning off the news. Consider staying off of Facebook or Twitter for a while. Yeah, um, because the reality is, and this is just this is true. Also, oh dear. Um, it doesn't matter which side you're reading. Mm. The point is having your mind controlled feels bad. Mm -hmm. um, but Pokemon is better than Yu-Gi-Oh. It's true, but I know you're right. Yeah. But the point is, like, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
if the the more time you spend shitting on Yu-Gi-Oh and the less time you spend enjoying Pokemon, yeah, and making the most out of what it can be, and the more time you think about how to get at Yu-Gi-Oh, mm-hmm. and the more time you think about how to bolster your Pokemon instead of just enjoying what you have, um, and the more you listen to other people tell you what to do and what to think and what to say and the more you do it the worse you feel yeah and the more detached from reality you get um you feel anxious try not reading the news for a couple of days just try it yeah yeah um try actually try not consuming any media at all um just try being alone with your thoughts yeah try writing down your thoughts you know like it's as simple as that. Get out what you're actually thinking and be honest because you're probably thinking some pretty horrible shit and you know it. Oh, for sure. I <laughs> because mean, I know I was when I started journaling. I was I like, Jesus Christ, that was in there? Mm. It felt good to get it out. Yeah. Um, and it helps you sort of detox. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit there. Okay. Because I, I've gone on long enough. Sure. And we'll, we can always talk about propaganda some more. Oh, I know it is uh, your aphrodisiac. Uh, yes, I am... That, uh... So in the mood right now, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. But I want to know what you picked. Did oh, you God. have a primary source? Oh. <laughs> My, how do I, how do I one up what you just did? You just went on this amazing rant for an hour and a half on uh, propaganda. <laughs> Nothing I could find could could compare. Um, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. Do uh, it. So I found a book. Yes. And it is from, what year is this from? It is from 1868. Scotland. Yes. And it is called The Proverbs of Scotland. <laughs> so I I'm thought I'd, uh, I'd read a few of these proverbs, and maybe you could as well. Uh, okay. Because there's a, there's a trillion of them. Uh, Great. Who knew the Scots had this much, uh, this much wisdom? Oh. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know. We, we could read a few of these and then uh, kind of dissect them, see if they're worth well, remembering s- s- in this day and age. S- send me a link. Okay, perfect. I and will. then I'll read the ones that you, you tell me to read. But I want well, you to start because I've been talking. Read, read whatever ones you want um, because I haven't I haven't really picked any. All right. <laughs> you haven't picked any? Well, I mean, I'm just going to pick randomly. There's so many. <laughs> I don't know how to do a Scottish accent very well. Okay, well, the key with the Scottish accent is you got to think of the English, right? All right. And I know you're mostly English, but forget that for now. Okay. Um, I'm just I'm gonna use some of those seven points of propaganda. So, it's it's um, twelve eighty four A.D. You've eaten nothing but turnips your whole life, <laughs> and the fucking English cowards, all of them evil are ruling over our fair land. And uh, how does that make you feel? You have to get get the brave heart in you. Get the, the Scottish rebellion going in your veins. You may be wearing a skirt. You may be putting makeup on your face when you ride into battle. But that doesn't take away from a true Scotsman. Um, okay, and with that, let's just uh, let's just go into it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrub through to the end. All right? Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, shit. <laughs> Did you find anything? Um, uh, I'm looking. That was kind of a letdown. I had such a such a brave heart speech, and now it's. 
Alright, okay, here we go. Okay. Here's one. I can't do that. It's written in the dialect. I know. I, yeah. Take with your meal. Uh, take your meal with you and your blows will be thicker. Amen. Take, <laughs> ta take, your, meal, take your meal with you and your blows will be thicker. I don't know how to do it. A Is half Shrek the world Disney can howl, the other half lives. <laughs> talk your thanks to feed your cat. Talk your venture <laughs> as many good sheep has done. Talk your will. You're wise enough. Talk with you, your anger. Tom, tell the truth, night court, nay. <laughs> I didn't mean anything. Tom, tell, Tom, tell truth, nay, courtier. A Top fool's bull like soon crowing. shot. Terry breaks. Terry breaks by. Terry breaks pays nay freight. Terry breaks pays nay freight. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So here's it. Here it is in in English. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, persons in the same trade are generally willing to oblige one another. Oh. Pipers don't pay fiddlers. True. And the French is one barber shaves another. <laughs> a oh, here you fool go. win a gi his toy for the Tower of London. A fool will give his toy for the Tower of London. What's that mean? It means... Fucking communists. It means that... A good trade deal, giving your teddy bear for a castle, they're looking down at it because it's, you're in the 1% right there, you're an aristocrat. I don't fucking know. It's some Scottish <laughs> asshole. <laughs> After Lamas, corn ripens by day and night. <laughs> a fool heart is I kind. <laughs> Again, horse of... should not be locked in the mouse. Should a gift horse shouldn't be looked in the mouth? Very good. All right, I got one. All right, the cow that's first stop gets the first of the dew. Is that like an early bird gets the worm? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. All right. See, uh, <laughs> a hairy the man's a... the cosier. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. <laughs> the clartier, the cosier. The all the, the clergier, the, the, the more comfortable. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Whether true or not, we cannot say. <laughs> Here we go. I actually read a story about a, a couple who bought a car and, like, in order to feel, like, more comfortable with it, they took a hammer and just put a dent in it right away. Oh, there you go. You got to mark your territory. You got you to gotta yeah, piss in the weeds. That's one way to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one's really hard. Oh, no. The deal ne'er... God damn it. The deal ne'er sent a wind out of hell, but he sailed with it. The Dale's a busy bishop in his own diocese. His own diocese. The Dale's a busy bishop in his own diocese. The Dale's a good to his sin to his own. His own. Ain his own. It's got to be something about yeah. Duck Dynasty. So the devil's a busy bishop in his own diocese. Oh, okay. The Dale's a good to his own. The devil is good to his own. Mm. The Dale's cow cows twice in a year. The Dale's greedy, but you're a mislaid. But yeah, could not have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> the farther been the welcomer, the farther in the deeper, the farther, the farthest away a boot is off near the nearest way home. That just the sounds dirty. <laughs> a hairy man's a geary man, but a hairy wife's a witch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're a woman right, with hair, you are a witch. 
Perfect. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to find one that makes sense. Oh. All right. Okay. Um, and I'm going to read the Scottish version, and you're going to try to figure out what it is okay. I'm saying. Yeah. All right. The poor man is I put to the worst. The poor man pays for a... Uh, the poor man's shilling is but a penny. The post of honor is at the post of danger. The proof of the pudding, the pre-not. The proudest nettle grows in the midden. That just sounds depressing. Um, <laughs> I can do it one more time. All right. The poor man is I put to the proudest nettle grows on a mitten. What? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there's a lot about the poor man having a hard life. I got yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Then there's something about a mitten. <laughs> yeah? Uh, That's what you got? Yeah, I don't remember the middle part because... The I post of honor the is the post of danger. So... The proof of the pudding is the pre-anoint. The, the, the Prius is the pudding? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so all that means is that a very proud person may have sprung from a poor family. Oh. All right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. He said. So he's saying like, the poor man's put goes through the worst shit, mm -hmm. right? And he pays for all of it. Yeah. And his shilling is worthless. Yeah. Um. Then he buys the, the Prius. Right. He buys the Prius with the mittens. <laughs> with the mittens. That's it. Wow. That is but the American saying, Scottish dream right there. Right, right. But I think he's saying, like, you can be poor, you can be all of these things, and you can still not be humble. I see. Mm. The, the post of honor is where there's danger. Mm-hmm, oh. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like these. Can we do a couple more? Of course, yeah. But I think you should do the next one. <laughs> all right, all right. And then I think we should do two at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I gotta find one of the... Only... For our listeners, there, there's just a list of a couple hundred of these, and only, like, maybe 20% of them have English translations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. It's a short one, alright? Are you ready for this? Yes. A master Z max a fat horse. <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. A master Z makes a fat horse? A master Z makes a fat horse. A master's, a master's own makes a fat horse. Oh, in English it's no eye, like the master's eye. I have no idea. <laughs> master right, Z, doing... it makes a fat horse. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're doing. All right. I mean, I'm not doing it well either, but here we go. Just tell me, tell me what you think this, this, this means. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. There's a glum look when the call, there's called crowdy. Say that one more time. There's a glum. There's I a glum look when. Oh, fuck. There's I a glum look where there's cold crowdy. Cold crowdy? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, there's gloom and doom in your eyes when you see a crowd? Basically. Oh, all right. Um, you're, you're, you're always sad when you see a cold shoulder of mutton for dinner. Oh. <laughs> That's, That's true. Means. That is fucking true. All right, one other thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a time to glay and a time to look strut. There's a tough sinew in old wife's heel. There's a wop in a rape. Uh, there's a time to celebrate. There's a time to cry. Uh, something about an ape. <laughs> <laughs> there's a knot in the rope. There is something wrong. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, that was um, my second guess. Yeah, of course. All right, I course. got one. All right. Okay. A naked man, mon, moon, rin. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I naked... said it wrong. I had too many M words. <laughs> A naked man, mon, rin. A naked man moans the rain. Kind of. It's obvious. A, a man that is destitute must exert himself. <laughs> There's a measure in our things, even in Kylie Suppen. Oh, God. <laughs> the English version. There is reason in roasting of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's fucking not! No, 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 hold on. Oh, okay. This might be deeper wisdom than you think, but right. I'm not going to pursue it. <laughs> All right, we should read one together. All right, I'm uh, good. No, all right, you got one? I got one. Uh, how, how, many how long is yours? yours? Yeah, mine's six lines. Mine is, oh, six lines? Jesus. But they're short. Um. Well, mine is five words, so I'm just going to repeat mine until you end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Right. One, two, three. And There's no birds this year in last year's nest. There's no corn without coast. There's no free folks meeting my pot. There's no friend like the penny. There's no friend to friend in mystery. There's no fools like all fools. founded. That was, that was perfect. That was double-barreled Scottish wisdom. Hey, okay, one more, because oh, okay, I like this one. All right, all right. There's a remedy for all, but stark dead. Uh, the, you can fix anything except for someone who's as dead as Ed Stark? Yep. All right, he dies. Spoiler alert. Anyway. Oh, oh, one more, one more. Okay. And I want to incorporate this into my daily life. Right. There's the end of the old song. <laughs> that's when you say it when you have nothing else to say that's awesome there's the end will, of an yeah. old song <laughs> well I don't know Aaron is this section finished oh this primary source I was, uh, yeah I was setting you up for. oh uh, yeah well I was throwing you a slow softball pitch dude. there's the end of the old song <laughs> <laughs> perfect alright um, actually I have only one more thing and you said it was weird it's weird all right. Okay. And this is called the Treasury of Witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready. All right. And there's just a couple of things. It, it basically says, here's how to do all these. Here's all this, uh, all the magical stuff that's ever happened. And here's how it happened. And here's where it's recorded. So it takes things, I shit you not, out of like ancient Assyrian tablets. They and had tablets back the Bible. Oh. <laughs> Good. All right, so this is Death by Magic, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, and this comes from an ancient magic papyrus. Oh, shit. A so pirate? here's how you get Death by Magic, okay? Mm -hmm. Put a two-tailed lizard into oil and cook it. Okay. And anoint the man with it, and then he dies. Oh, shit. That's okay. it. Well. All right, do you want to know how to overpower a dragon? Well, hell yeah. Okay, oh, here's an actual spell, okay? Yes, this is what I want. This is an invocation to make magic carpet. Oh my god, I have a carpet. I'm ready. All right. Agla, 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 agla. Oh, almighty God, thou art the life of the universe and rulest over the four parts of that immense area through the power of thy holy name, Tetragrammaton. <laughs> Yod, hey, vow, he, hell. Bless this, hey, I think, bless this carpet in thy name as thou bless the cloak of Elijah in the hands of Elijah, so that with thy wings I may be able to be protected against all. He shall hide thee under his wings and under his feathers thou shalt trust and his truth shall be thy protection. 
I'm slightly disappointed. So here's not here's because it didn't work, but because I'm only three feet off the ground. Oh. <laughs> it's not actually supposed to make you fly. Oh shit! Well, um, the carpet has to be made of new wool during the full moon. Oh. And okay. when you put this spell on it, it produces oracular utterances. So it speaks to you. Oh, well, that already happens. Why do we need spells for carpets <laughs> that speak? Well, and I had another source, but it would take quite a bit of time to go through. I will save it, though. For, do save it for next time. It is... It's going to involve some acting. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. Well, everybody get ready. And next week, we should have another episode ready to go. Red regular episode, anyway, with two new historical characters to talk yes. about. Um, this week was just a bit busy for both of us. Hey, do you hear Santa's sleigh is flying through my room right now? Because um, he did kill JFK and he's been hiding down here uh, ever since. Uh, so just ignore him. Yeah. Keep him safe. Yeah. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Yeah. Christmas must continue. Wait. Maybe Santa wants to say something, James. Fuck Kennedy! <laughs> ho, ho, ho! Anything else? Santa, you have no respect for America's heroes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actually, though, that's the true meaning of Christmas, is Jesus Christ. And you're going around stealing all his glory and killing one of our best presidents. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>